Dallas, welcome to this Not That Deep podcast, brother. Love you, man. Long time coming. This is cool, bro. This is a really cool one for me. I feel a little rusty. I'm not going to lie. It's been a little while uh, since I've had the pod going, but we're in the new studio now. You're... Um, you know, you're christening it. Is that the word? Is that how you say it? You're, you're, Works for me. We're, we're getting it ready to go. We're going live. Um, bro, you are you're, you're a brother of mine. You are a client. You're a great friend. I have, there's so many things that I can call you, man, but I want to start from the very beginning. We were just talking about it right before we started recording of how we really connected, bro. I'm going yeah. to give it off to you. That's a crazy story. I love it. No, it was Steven's story. Literally, I started making these terrible little TikToks because I was like, all right, I need to get better at video stuff. And I had followed Steven for a while, and I had followed you for a while on Twitter. And he was doing something. I was like, oh, promote your business, something along those lines. And I saw you were like the first reply to it is like, I run a short form content agency. And I had literally been thinking about it, like starting the week prior with like the trash little TikToks, literally booked the call with you. I think I asked you like two questions. I was like, yo, what is y'all's history with real estate? Have you done anything in real estate? You had worked with a dude in Ottawa, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. You showed me some of the videos and then I was like, all right, how much is it? You gave me the price. I was like, all right, run it. Let's go. Like, Yeah. So. To, to give people a little bit of context, I mean, obviously, like you just mentioned, you're in real estate. You know, you've been in the space for a little while now, but you know, you're, you take a bit of a different approach to real estate than most um, gray-haired real estate agents, I'd say, man. Walk me through yeah. um, your philosophy around real estate as a whole. I think it's a really good wealth driver. I think it's a really good tool to utilize to acquire a lot of cash. But I'm not, I mean, I like it. I, I'm decent at it. I like it enough to where it's, I don't hate working there, but I think you can make anything you want of it. I mean, I know I've run into agents who are still doing the same thing after 20 years that they were doing when they started. And I think that's, unless you're super passionate about it and there are people that are, unless that's you, I think you've kind of failed. Like I jokingly tell people, I have no urge of doing this for more than four or five years as an agent. Like Real estate investment, stuff like that. Of course. Great angle, but as an agent, like, yeah, I've, I've got maybe two years left. And th- that's, one of the, that's one of the main pillars of, like, your content as well, and I think that's why it's so refreshing for so many people to hear that, like, this guy is not bullshitting me. He's telling me as it is where he stands on real estate um, as a profession um, from an investment standpoint. And, like, I, that's why I personally, like, I love your videos. I love your content. I appreciate so it. So it's really cool and special to be, you know, obviously the agency that helps you do that. And, you know, like you're telling me the, that story there, it's so crazy that I had no idea um, that you followed me on Twitter for the longest time yeah. um, until we met for the first time in person about a year ago. So, yeah. so about a year ago, we went to VCon together, and I remember we had some one-on-one time after one of the, the conference days or something. And, you know, we had, we had a couple of drinks, and I, I don't know, we were walking somewhere, and you are like, yo, deep. You know, like, I've been, like, following you for, like, a long time. I really respect, like, how you guys have done things. So I'm like, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, you've been following me for, like, a couple months. And, like, yeah, it's, it's cool. But, like, I don't really tweet about anything. You're like, no, no, bro. Like, it's been a long time. Like, I have an, an anonymous account on Twitter. And, and you know, I've, you've been rocking with the tweets. And I find that... For me, I was A, shocked, and like B, it was pure comedy for me because I don't use Twitter seriously at all. As you know, 90% of my Twitter is Drake lyrics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I do not use it as a business tool at all, but I got to give Steven's story a shout out. Um, You know, good friend of mine. He's one of the first people I met in the money Twitter space and just making money online, business, world stuff. we stayed in touch. We were in like this mastermind group thing together, actually. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting on calls with Steven and like I joke with him to this day about it. You know, at the beginning when I started business, I was so I was so fresh. I was so like I had no idea what sales even was. I didn't yeah. I knew nothing. And I know this guy he was really good at sales. Maybe he was not like the best operator of like a big company or anything like that, but that dude knew how to sell. Mm-hmm. All I saw every day was this dude taking hundreds, like, like legitimately hundreds of cold calls for his insurance, whatever he's doing. And I remember getting on a call with him one day and I was like, man, like there's this really big deal I want and I'm kind of like feeling nervous about it. 
I don't know if the client has that much money, but they seem to portray a lifestyle as yeah. you see every day. Yeah. They got the G-Wagons, they got the this, they got the that. They seem like they they got money. He's like, hey man, let me tell you something. Like, <laughs> doesn't matter what he got. Like, I don't care about all that shit. Is his money green? And that shit stayed with me my whole life. I always like, um, Reminding myself, like, is his money green? Is this something, you know, whatever client I'm speaking with, I don't care about all their looks and everything. And you see this probably every day in real estate. People who are flexing, but then you get down to the numbers. And it's yeah. like, your money's not green. We should not continue this conversation. Yeah. Tell me about some stories you've seen like that in real estate where people's money has straight up not been green. Dude, literally, first guy that I not had worked with, but he would have been... Probably like the first like big deal, relatively speaking. So in Atlanta, obviously prices are different, but he was buying. It was like seven seven fifty in the W downtown. Really nice building, dude. I remember end unit, so it was like gorgeous view all into downtown. All this stuff. I think I'd been an agent for like six months. Okay. Got him off of like some of the stuff that I was like the ads that I was running. I was like, damn man, like this is really working. This is really cool. So we go look at the thing, and he's just he was an interesting character. He's the same dude that bragged me about like shooting someone. Oh, yeah, like okay. he's a weird guy. And I was like, dude, I don't care. That's a twenty-one thousand dollar check, bro. You're so new to it. And I was like, all right, like this, this got to be it. This got to be it. You ignore dude, all the red flags. You're just like, I don't dude, care. I want the check, dude. Literally, because yeah. you have no, you don't have enough business going, whatever. And so we go, we look at the thing. He's like, man, like I really like it. Um, I think we're gonna go forward, but. I'm not too sure. Like, let me let me run the numbers, and I'm like sitting there, like, what the fuck you mean run the numbers? Like, the like, here's the price. It's been on the market this long. We we literally talked about what we think we can get it done at, and all you tell me about is how many nice cars you have. Like, this this shouldn't be a big deal. All right. And uh, he was like, let let me go take a second look at it. So I'm, my dumbass gets in the car, drives back down there. We go, we sit there, and dude, he sat there, and we were sitting kind of like this, except the view was like all of downtown Atlanta. It was a really nice view, and he's just like talking to me, like bragging, and I'm like. Starting to get the feeling, I'm like, I don't think this is gonna happen, man. And so then I'm like, look, like, let's get this offer in. I need you to sign, you know, this buyer brokerage agreement, whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, first things first, um, you need to sign a non-disclosure agreement because you can't tell people we're working together. And I'm like, yeah, like that, that's fine, man. I don't really care. Like I'll sign whatever. He goes, you know, you gotta understand, this is not your normal NDA. Okay. He's like, I had a Supreme Court justice for the state of Georgia draw this up for me. And I'm like, bro, I, I don't really sure, care about man. any of this, bro. Send About the me. deal. Dude, yeah, like, I'm like, bro, all of this is noise. Like, I do not care. And so he sends it to me. Bro, he typed in non-disclosure agreement on Google, contr uh, control C, control V, and sent it to me. And I'm like, bro, you're so full of shit. Like, what are you going on about? And I was like, all right, whatever. I'm like still trying to just get this thing moving. I'm like, wow, you know, very impressive, whatever. Just like stroking this dude's ego. And I'm like, look, and so he signs by a brokerage agreement. He's like, all right, look, let's offer this. Send him the document. Oh, uh, something came up. I gotta go to Dubai on urgent business. And I'm like, bro, here it comes. And so uh, he goes go. to Dubai, whatever. Don't hear anything from him. And then like two months later, hits me back up. He's like, oh, I'm back in town. We need to go see that condo again. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, no, we don't. We're not going to see that again. <laughs> like, just literally wanted to sit there and feel like he was cool because he was sitting in a nice condo for a couple hours. That's that's one of those like early lessons you learn in business and especially in your industry of like. And now you can probably smell it from a mile away, right? Yeah. And you had a good head on your shoulders enough back then to like eh, realize like this guy's probably shaky, but who knows, right? Like yeah. you, you take some shots, you never know. Maybe he's just a weirdo. Yeah. But it it, it kind of reminds me of like you know you meet a guy and he just starts bragging about all the girls he gets, and you're just like. I didn't ask, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, nobody cares. We are not 12. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? What kind of like pissing contest is this? Um, it's the same kind of thing in business. I see it all the time. And um, it's, it's one of those things that spans across all industries, real estate in particular. I just don't understand tire kicking when you're dealing with something that's like, it's everyone's times involved. There's so many things yeah. that have to happen. You got the lawyer, you got the you know, inspections, you got open houses, you got the real estate, you got the buyer, the seller lining things up. It's like a lot of coordination, man. Like, how do you yeah. keep up with all the day-to-day -day coordination BS that you got to deal with in, in your industry? Uh, I have a virtual assistant that helps with a lot of the 
specifics of stuff, getting people, you know, showings lined up, showing agents lined up. I don't show everything. I'm sitting here in Miami. I've had I don't know how many showings while I've been here that RJ's taken care of while I was here in New York. Got a transaction coordinator that handles all the paperwork. But yeah, dude, you've, you've got a ton of people that they're more than eager to just like waste their own time and kick stuff around. And so a lot of it is, I mean, you hire the people. Um, frankly, a lot of it is just screening those people out. Like in the beginning, I have like a pretty hard and fast rule. It's like, look, I'll show you one tops two places before you've got a pre-qual, pre-approval or proof of funds in hand. If you don't want to do that, that's cool. But like, I'm not, I'm not your tour guide. I don't get paid for opening doors. Exactly. And so, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, you got to understand that my situation, your situation is probably not that different. Like, I, I've heard that story a, a dozen times. Your situation is probably not. So you screen the hell out of them on the front end to make sure that you don't let them in the door. And then once they're in the door, uh, Crystal's my transaction coordinator. She handles all the paperwork from contract to close. And then RJ's the VA helps do a lot of the coordination on that and just getting p times lined up, people agreeing to show the home, sellers agreeing to, you know, they'll be out of the home, that kind of thing, so. Yeah, it, it, I like the way you approach it. So you got like a small team, it's a good core little team, but at the same time, it allows you to, yeah, be sitting here in Miami right now for a week, basically, to create content yeah. and uh, to hang, hang with the gang, you know, have, have, yeah, some, good have, excuse. Some, have some good times. But that's a, that's a really important lesson that, you know, both Jamie and I had to learn early on in the business is that like, when it started off as just me and him, right, we were doing everything, right? Jamie was handling pretty much all of the service and hell I was even helping I was coming to shoots I was like this is like we were printing out sheets and stuff oh and doing God. all kinds of stuff we were doing sales calls together we were both on these calls together and there came a certain point where we kind of had to look at each other and we're like bro like I think you should focus more on this and I should focus more on this. Yeah. And you know, it, it's worked out really well and now we've got a solid team of people but that's something that I have always kind of struggled with a little bit is like that delegation, what to delegate, what to keep, what what is the, like the essence of you know what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, what do I need to keep my finger on the pulse of, do I need to become a better manager, do I need to become a better yeah. operator, do I need to become a better salesperson, these are all things that you're constantly balancing. For any young real estate um, aspiring agents or, or people out there, what what is something that you you tell them in terms of treating it like an actual business yeah there's this I don't know if it's a notion or what the deal is but there's a lot of junk in real estate where people think that they're doing revenue driving activities when it's just ego stroking and just staying as far away from that shit as you can why are you going to a luncheon with 25 other agents none of them are gonna buy a house with you you're gonna be there for two and a half hours you could have called I don't know how many prospective leads in that two and a half hours yeah. like wasting your time like that all that stuff people get driven to I just think it's a complete waste of time personally so stay away from that and then honestly I wish I would have hired sooner I wish I would have hired sooner. I had one like failed attempt at hiring someone prior, and I just that was on me. Like that was my own screw up. But delegate all of the tiny like menial shit that you don't need to do. Like get rid of that. Like you don't need to be sitting there and like agonizing through a 13 email chain with a closing attorney trying to figure out what time everyone can close at. Like get a transaction coordinator. Go out there transactly, transactly.com. Like go there. 350 bucks a deal and they will make sure all that shit's taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. It's like, just get as much of the non-client creating or revenue driving activities off of your plate as you possibly can, like as soon as you can. And then on the flip side, what are those activities? The ones that really move the needle, the ones that Dallas does not want to outsource as, we, as we're talking today? Calling. Calling, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I pay, I guess kind of like left this out earlier. I pay a team now that handles all of like my Facebook ads. I pay them like 500 bucks a month. They're out of Ukraine, really good at what they do. But at the beginning, it was testing new ad creatives and calling on those inbound leads and then calling for sale by owners. Now it's pretty much down to calling and making sure that I'm getting, I mean, a lot of it now for me is, is training 
RJ and kind of keeping that whole thing up. But the biggest thing for me is just staying in front of people because in real estate, everyone has this idea you get your license and then all of your friends come like crawling out of the woodwork and they want to buy homes with you. There's a phrase, your clients will become friends faster than your friends become clients. And that's 110% true. Yeah. You will have people that if you drop the ball on staying in front of them, they'll literally sit there and for three months in a row tell you, look, I'm buying in December, I'm buying in December, I'm buying in December. Do not call me before December. You call them November 30th, oh, I bought a home in October. And you're like, dude, like, and it drives you up the wall. And that happened to me once or twice, like very early on, where I was like, oh, these people are like, it's either they're gonna lie to you or they just don't really know what their own timetable is and that's okay. But you have to stay in front of people. And if you're not doing those calls, like that is the easiest way to absolutely torpedo any potential business you have. Like it is not uncommon that I will close a deal. I'm hopefully going under contract with a lady probably this coming week. We've been talking for almost two years. Mm. But it, it's, you know, 15 minutes, once every two, three months. Hey, how's it going? How's the move from New York? Oh, you were up in New York. How was New York? It's like 15 minutes every yeah. three, four months. And then, but sure enough, like literally last week when I was on the phone with her, it was, I really appreciate how much you've been on the phone with me. Like I'm gonna get all this application stuff filled out. I want to buy this unit in this building. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, cool, worth it. It's it's so worth it, right? Because if you think about it, you know, and this is something that I actually recently realized, you know, and very recently actually realized. I always heard people talk about the fortunes and the follow-up. Yeah. You got to keep following up. And I, I was like, yeah, yeah, but I'm not like everyone else. I, I, you know, obviously I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, I'm different. Like, Naturally, I, dude. I, I don't need to, uh, like, you know, follow up with people. Like, if they're out now, they're just out. I'm, you're closed. Yeah. I, you're not closed, actually. You're in my head, you're a closed book. I'm not yeah. dealing with you. We're, we're done. It is what it is. What I've realized, the more and more like I've, I've matured in the business game, is sometimes the timing's just not right. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with you as a person, as a salesperson, as a business owner, yeah. anything like that. Sometimes the timing is just not right. That does not mean this person is not going to eventually close. I love that, I'm, I'm not sure if you heard of that, that Ryan Serhant story, uh, where, where he talks about that. Yeah, you, you've probably heard that, right? I know exactly what I, you're talking about. I love that story. Uh, you know, and you know, if, if, you're, if you're down, why don't you give a recap of that story for people because I think it really, really drives that point home that, you know, he had this person for so long, like just disappear and then end up being his biggest first deal ever, right? Yeah, I, like, I don't remember everything exactly. Rough gist of it, he was talking with like a husband and wife. They were looking at buying a place, like, I think it was like two million bucks, yep. which, you know, for Manhattan is, that's a all right spot, yeah. mean, unfortunately. And, you know, they went completely ghost on him. She did not hear from him. It was like seven, eight years went by. And then out of the blue, he gets an email. It's like, hey, man, a lot of stuff's changed. We're divorced. I'm actually looking to buy. We've got to sell our place, too. I think they had to sell their place, too. Something he wound like that, up, yeah. He wound up listing their spot because they got divorced, and then he helped the husband buy, like, a $20, $25 million spot in Manhattan. It's like, but, And all again, because he kept following just up. Just emailing yeah. them. It's like, and, dude, the thing, too, is, like, now with technology, so much of the auto, like, of the follow-up you can automate, automate it's it. ridiculous. Yeah. It's like all of the, like... You can just set these email sequences, and I guarantee, I mean, it's fucking Serhant. They have probably the best follow-up in the world. They plugged them into some drip sequence, and it's, you know, however, every, once every three months, once every four months, he got an email, hey, it's Ryan, you know, our team, blah, 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 blah. Here's some of the listings that y'all were looking at, and the dude was like, not the right time, not the right time, not the right time. Ready to buy now. Hey, you want to make, you know, however much, probably $600,000 check? <laughs> and, it, and it goes zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. Like, you are, like, this person is like, you have not heard from them in so long to like, it happens to me sometimes. I'll, I'll have a client that I maybe talked to like a year ago that mm -hmm. I did give up on, like I did. And they hit me up. And then I have other clients that like I gave up on, but I kept following up with them. Outcomes the same. They're now like clients. It's like, holy, like, mm -hmm. you gotta just keep following up. So that's one of like the biggest lessons that even recently, I will say, like I'm learning really, really hard. It's like, detach your ego from that outcome. Yeah. Like, just do the action, the activity that you're talking about. That revenue-driving yeah. thing that you're talking about is that 15-minute follow-up call. People are going to be people, man. People are going to act insane. Exactly. And it's, it's maddening. 
Exactly. Like when you're early on, it's maddening, and then you just hit to a certain point. You're like, ah, who gives a shit? Like, it, yeah, you become indifferent, and that actually, in a weird, like, spiritual way, actually leads to more sales. Yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, the, the, like in a weird way, like the less you give a fuck about actually getting <laughs> this person's yeah. business, the more they're inclined to work with you. Dude, it a hundred percent comes through in the phone. It's like. It's the same reason everyone hates buying a car. Like you go to a car lot and the dude comes smell. out and you're like, oh Jesus, here yeah. we go. And like you can smell that that guy's like, you ready to buy? You ready to buy? You ready to buy? And like if you're on the phone and you come across like, it's, it's a great time to buy, sell, or invest. Yeah. Like they're sitting there like, get away from me. That commission breath stinks, bro. Dude, it's so funny. <laughs> I was, uh, Joey was with me. Joey's a dude that he's just got his license. He's brand new agent, and so he'll like come like he was at my place listening to me make phone calls. I was like, look, this is how I handle it, and he was like, it's something to the effect of like you're so short with people or you're so not like gushy with people. And I was like, dude, if they want to buy, they're gonna buy with me because I'm gonna stay in front of them. If they don't want to buy, me like sitting there with like some cheesy ass smile on my face, like, hey, how's it going? Like just being fake, like that's not me. They're gonna smell it. It's yeah. gonna be inauthentic, incongruent, and they're gonna go. Eh, we're good, and they're gonna keep their distance. And it's like, if you're serious about it, when people are ready to buy, and same thing with you, like you just said, they'll hit you up out of nowhere, people will call you, hey, you've been sending me stuff for like six months now, I actually just got pre-qualified for 600, um, I saw you sent one last week, can we go look at that? And you're like, game on, let's go. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. And I think you know something to add to that is that in this business game, something that I've seen happen so frequently is that, People focus on, like you said, like being way too friendly, trying to be super like follow the mold, the cookie cutter, the textbook way of being whatever it is you're trying to be, a real estate agent or whatever. It's like, well, I have to drive the Benz and be like this and I have to have these types of business cards and I have to make sure that I... Um, you know, I'm doing all these open houses. I got these pie charts. I know you love. Oh, you love Jesus pie Christ! Charts. Yeah. You know, all, all these types of things, right? But it's like the actual thing that matters. The thing that moves the needle is like being 100% authentically yourself. I don't think that this is limited to real estate or any industry. I think being that person and not don't not faking it. This is not saying. This is not telling every real estate agent or anyone out there who's trying to make you know some money to just now just go and be like an asshole people yeah if exactly. you're not if you're not that type of person when you're off the clock don't just become that person yeah just to like now you know you'd be a meme or something right it's all congruence exactly yeah. just just be who you are people are gonna smell that people are gonna feel that some people are gonna hate that good I probably don't want to do business with you then. It's better. We both saved each other so much headache. Dude, you saved yourself so much time yes. like sitting there and it's like if if you your idea of a real estate agent is someone that's going to do like you you watch South Park? Yeah. Okay, the, did you see the South Park episode where they were just bashing real estate agents? No, I haven't seen that. Dude, it's spot on. And it's like if you're going to be that if you're expecting that out of a real estate agent, don't call me. Like don't like stay away. It's not going to be me. Like I'm not going to do that. Like you can do your job well without being a meme of the profession you're in. It's beautiful. That's like, why I think what you've done is so refreshing. That's why I love the content that you put out. And that's why, you know, you're going to win. Ultimately, a lot of people are going to come to you over some complete, like, cornball real estate Jesus. agent person uh, just because you're top of mind. That's, the, that's where I want to kind of switch gears to a little bit and talk about the content because that's also a big part of the strategy, right? Yeah. You had things come out of being on people's timelines. You had people recognize you. You had opportunities come across your table. Yeah. You've had hires. Talk to me a little bit about how the content has helped you stay top of mind for people. Dude, I mean, the, the mortgage broker that I work with saw me on TikTok, was like, hey man, saw your stuff, we should connect. Super authentic dude, young, I mean, he's a little older than me, but young dude, super hungry, busts his ass, everything you could want out of like working with someone, because it's, it, I don't want to call it a partnership, but kind of, it's like we're both working with a buyer to get them into a spot, so it's like, I had gone through I don't know how many prior to him. He's been the best one. Joey, the dude that's working with me now, brand new agent, 
got in touch with me off of TikTok. And he's like, hey man, like I've got some questions. And we just started going back and forth. He was like in the process of getting his license. I was like, bro, screw Keller Williams. Come work with me. He's like, okay. So got in touch with him. Shane, shout out to Shane. So, shout out to Shane. Um, just kind of like very, very early stages. I mean, I met him probably like a month ago, a month and a half ago, but I mean, he's doing a lot of very impressive things inside of real estate and I'm doing everything I can to try and help him with that and be a value add to him with that. And none of these would have occurred if I wasn't putting out TikTok content yeah. with y'all. I mean, like, it's not even enough to just be consistent with it. You have to be consistent with the right things, which is like the most infuriating thing ever. People are always like, if you're just consistent, it'll all work out. No, if I consistently walk into a wall every single day, that's not going to get me very far. Like, exactly. you're just being consistently wrong. Like, that's yeah, not all right. I, I hate that advice. It's you hear so many people are always talking about like, just be consistent. It's like. With what? Like, what are you being consistent yeah. with? I, I see some people, I'm not going to name names, but there's certain people who put out content and it's just like every time it's like they put it out, I'm like, you actually would have been better off. The world would be a better place if that did not see the light of day. You might as well have kept that on your yeah. camera roll. Keep we, that one to yourself, keep champ. One, <laughs> keep, keep that one to yourself. I hate it. Yeah. it. It's horrible. It's not connecting with anyone. It's not delivering any value. I'd rather watch the type of content that like I'd rather watch some prank YouTube content that yeah. at least make me made me laugh. Yeah. At least it gave me something, right? Like it's. Yeah. A, anyways, um, I, instead I, of watching I, it at the end of it, you're just like cringing yourself. You're like, oh Jesus, why? Why there, did you say that? To, there has to be strategy behind it at the end of the day. But yeah. you know, on a broader scale, and, and first of all, appreciate like the kind words. Obviously, I wasn't fishing for something just for our agency. I want to talk about like as as a whole. Yeah. We wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for leveraging social media. Yeah. Right. And we kind of started the podcast talking about that, you know, right now there's such a we're in such a weird landscape with the social media space. You got, you know, a lot of people out there completely write it off and they're just like, this is just bad for you. There's nothing good about it. It's a cancer. It's social, the worst thing to ever happen. You got other people on the complete other side of the spectrum who are like pumping out eight pieces a day. Yeah. Going all in like content is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Right. I think that everyone listening to this should take away that like creating content that actually you know, connects with a community and does something like it, it does not have to be mm -hmm. a, a strong call to action on day one to buy my thing. But if you are giving something to people, if you're connecting with them, if you're telling some kind of story, that value will, it has value. It's yeah. hard to put a dollar value on it day one. Yeah. but building trust with people, building an audience and being there and showing up over over a, a long period of time, that's the type of consistency I can get behind. Yeah, 100%. And it, like you said, you can't put a dollar value on it day one because you're just not going to see the doors that it opens. It's like Chandler, like face value, yeah, it's really nice to have a mortgage broker you can work with that they get deals done smoothly, whatever. He literally pulled a deal back from the dead that wound up being like a $9,000 commission check. It's like, that's like, if I would have, you know, four months into it, been like, oh, see, nothing's happened. Like, I just throw your hands up. But it's like, you've got to have some semblance of commitment to it for the long term and also like course correct and make the little minor adjustments along the way. And it's like, you're going to win if you do that, like 110%. And if you don't, like worst case scenario, like you said, you get around a bunch of other people that are like-minded that you otherwise would have never gotten in contact with. This would not have been happening otherwise. Like it's, I don't know. I don't know how you can bash on it, but you know. Exactly, man. I want to switch gears a little bit and, you know, kind of similar, you know, talking about consistency, something that, you know, I have utmost respect for you. And I think it, it shines through in your content and the type of person you are and how you present yourself is how consistent you are taking care of your body and training. Yeah. So, so talk to me about how jujitsu and how training and, you know, being an athlete overall has helped you, you know, overall in business and life and relationships and everything. Yeah, I think it just makes me a better person. I I mean, I've been playing baseball, or I played baseball from the age of like four or five for 15 years. 
and then when that ended, it just like turned into, I mean, honestly, I went through like a bit of a low patch. Like when I was in college, I just got super lazy with a bunch of stuff and like pulled it back together. But I mean, lifting weights and training jujitsu. When he says lazy, he was just partying. <laughs> That's what he Allegedly, was allegedly. Um, yeah, you know, um, eating like fried food in a fraternity house with a bunch of dudes like drinking beer, you know, not exactly the epitome of health for a couple of years. but. No, I mean, I think if you take care of your body, like your body is a vessel that if you don't take care of it, it will make your life hell. And I mean, you know just as well, if not better than I do, like doing this type of work where it's not clock in at nine, clock out at five. Yeah, it's relatively stressful mm -hmm. and it's relatively taxing because your cortisol's up. So you're gonna get sick more and just all that bullshit. So it makes a lot more sense to at least try and take care of yourself, saying this while sitting here drinking tequila, of course. So not, again, not exactly the epitome of it's health. It's good for the but soul. Exactly. Come on. So <laughs> it's all around wellness, right? Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, it just makes, for me, I'm a much happier, much nicer person if I can go get a lift in or if I can go train jujitsu. It is impossible to be like walking around stressed out if you've just had like eight savages trying to rip your neck off for the last two hours and break your arm. Like, you're not worried or anxious or anything. It's just like, oh my God, make this stop, get this off of me. Like, yep. I, and you're trying to protect yourself and go after them. It's like, it just completely erases, at least for me, a lot of anxiety, stress, that kind of thing. And what a lot of people kind of miss, you know, in what you're saying there is that like, Obviously, you know, the, the secondary impact of it is you get a good looking body. The vanity is amazing too, in terms of you wanna look good naked, right? But nothing you mentioned there was about that because that's not the real why for why you're doing it. You are trying to manage your, your vehicle a lot better. Yeah. You're trying to manage anxiety, stress, cortisol, all these things. To me, there's been nothing that's helped me more in my business journey is just staying on top of fitness. Yeah. If there's nothing else, let me at least get some kind of lift in, even a walk, anything, yeah. you know? I feel a lot better when I'm consistently doing like boxing training or some mm -hmm. kind of sport or real activity where I can achieve flow, yeah. right? But at the very least, go for a walk, get your mind off whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Medium resistance training. Get in the gym and lift some heavy shit, put it back down, tell me how anxious you are after that. Yeah. You're not, right? But then if you can join some kind of sport or activity that keeps your mind engaged and now you're fully present, now your deadlift does not matter very much when someone's choking you dude, out, right? Dude, it, it makes lifting like <laughs> kind of boring, frankly, because it's like, dude, the first like jujitsu class I took was in Auburn and I had, the guy that taught it, I was like this like 17 or 18 year old purple belt, like he was like a kid, but yeah. was like a little savage at the time uh -huh. and he was like yeah jujitsu is like a weightlifting workout but the weights are trying to kill you mm. and I was like okay interesting and it dude it a hundred percent is because it's I mean you're resisting another adult that is trying to break your arm or wrap their arm around your throat and strangle you and it's like then you go into a gym and you're like oh cool one two three up one two three like that you know it kind of loses the not the fun, I mean, it's still, it's an ego thing, especially for a dude, right? You're like, yeah, pick up heavy weight, like, who doesn't like doing that? But it definitely loses a little bit of like the grandeur to it, a little bit of the novelty. And so talk to me about how'd you get into jujitsu? Like how'd you, you know, you got addicted to it. You're into it now. You don't miss, you know, when it comes to like, in a month, you're not gonna miss more than two weeks if your body's able consistently to go, right? Dude, I, honestly, that's been one of the things where I haven't, like the last couple of months, I really haven't been as consistent, just like got a bunch of BS going on. Frankly, a lot of it is just like prioritization. It's like I'm focusing a lot more on work right now, so I've been lifting when I can. It's all around the class schedule. Yeah. But in terms of getting into it, I trained Muay Thai a little bit when I was younger. Um, after Muay Thai, I, I trained for probably like three, four months. Was in Auburn. Uh, jacked my shoulder up there, training jujitsu, went back to Muay Thai, and then COVID, like, it got shut down. And so I was just, like, looking around online, and I was like, all right, shit, like, I wanna find something. I don't wanna sit around while this Muay Thai gym is closed for, like, three weeks because of COVID. And I found Odyssey's page, and 
at the time, it was Lenny and Greg, and Lenny was a black belt under John Danaher and Henzo Gracie, nice. and Greg at the time was a brown belt under Marcelo, now he's a black belt. And I was like, oh damn, like, I like watching MMA, like, I and, trained jiu-jitsu You're currently for, what? I'm a blue belt, nice. so. I was, I was like, I like watching MMA. I trained for like two months back in college before I blew my shoulder out. I was like, oh, what the hell, like I'll go over there and just like, the biggest thing for me, like the gym environment, the culture in the gym, it is, it's like a locker room, which I think I was, I've always enjoyed that growing up playing baseball in, in high school, playing travel <laughs> baseball with a bunch of guys, you're on the road with like 20 other dudes and it's just fun and you're hanging out with your boys. College, I was in a fraternity, very similar environment. The fraternity I was in was like a pretty athletic fraternity. It was a bunch of dudes that had played It's like sports. a brotherhood. Yeah, so it was, very much like a locker room. And I was kind of looking for that in a sense because you don't really get that in like a weightlifting gym. No, but it was like- It's opposite actually. Exactly, yeah, yeah. everyone's pretty pretty solo. Mm -hmm. And so then I was there and I was like, damn, like these coaches know what the hell they're talking about. It's a good culture around it. And I was like, shit, let's go. And I was just kind of like looking for something and I just kind of threw myself into it. Um, and so it's definitely been I don't know. I love the school. I love the culture around it. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting you say this, man, because you know I was gonna mention earlier. I was gonna you know say, you kind of went from baseball, which is a pure like team sport type thing, to jujitsu, uh, which you know in my head I'm like that's that's an individual type thing. It's just one v one type of thing, right? They're both the same, just in a different way. Exactly. Now I'm thinking about it more and more. It's like baseball is very siloed in that sense. Like, yeah. You know, the the pitcher and the third baseman don't have that much in common in terms of their position. Mm -hmm. They're on the same team. But you do get that same like locker room environment where it's like everyone, everyone I know I've ever talked to about jujitsu says all these same things. Yeah. You know, about how like everyone is there. You literally have a guy trying to basically strangle you to death, yeah. but then is also your best friend and like you, your mentor in that moment, or yeah. your men, you're, you're their mentor, and it's like so. It's a healthy environment. It's really good. Like, and and I feel like men particularly are missing a lot of that these days. Uh, I think we're we're seeing a lot of you know, a real lack of like dudes having something to work on beyond this themselves. And yeah. it's like, Joe Rogan always says that, I love how he, he coins it, it's like high level problem solving, right? Yeah. It's one of those things where you are stimulating the mind, it's not just rolling around with your body, mm -hmm. you're learning how to configure your body and you yeah. know it so well. You know how to contort someone's knee and do these arm bars and all these crazy techniques and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's just such a valuable skill that I feel like anybody and everybody should I mean, I'll say it. I feel like everybody should invest in learning some martial art. Yeah, 100%. Some form of martial art. I, I think that should be a mandatory thing in school. I, for anyone, male, female, everybody, because of just the discipline that it teaches. And I've never met a martial artist or, or someone who really, really is committed to doing something like that, who doesn't have a pretty level head on their shoulders. Yeah, there's definitely like some wild dudes in it, but of I mean, course. it's, it, I don't know, I think it makes you, it does make you pretty level-headed. I mean, there, it's very rare that you see, at least in my experience, anyone that trains jiu-jitsu, anyone that boxes, anyone that does Muay Thai, wrestles, those guys aren't the ones going out and getting into bar fights. No. Like, they're not, it's just not, something that really enters your mind. Because honestly, a lot of it is that it humbles you. The first jujitsu class I ever took, you learn very quickly that like strength does nothing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was like probably 220 at the time, and Jashub Sermons was like 145 pounds, soaking wet, sh like ripped my arm apart. Like it just literally was, I probably got tapped five, six times in five minutes. And that was him not really going crazy. Another dude that I trained with, Jack Meehan, same thing, just take down, pass guard, choke. Take down, pass guard, choke. Over and over and over. And I'm like, yo, I have 50, 60 pounds on these dudes. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting manhandled. But like, it's such a metaphor for life, for business, for everything. It's not necessarily fair. It doesn't matter if I'm bigger than you or whatever. Yeah. There might be someone, like, there might be a 100-pound dude who could Fuck me up in 30, less than 30 seconds, yeah. you know? But maybe I could sit on him. 
You know, if I could just sit on him, I could maybe fuck him. It's just like such a like, it's such a weird yeah. thing. It's such an equalizer. It's such a, uh, I think martial arts are, are an incredible thing. But yeah, for me, I think everyone should be doing some something like that, some kind of sport, some kind of thing where you can achieve flow, right? For me, you know, I I, I can't do the jujitsu because you know, a good friend of mine uh, is super into it. Um, shout out to my boy Scott. I remember he. Um, he really convinced me to come out rolling with him, and I'm like, dude, I've had shoulder surgery. Like my, yeah. my, I can't do this. It's, I, I, it's not that I don't want to. I would love to. I physically, yeah. Cannot, my, you're gonna rip all my joints out of the. I was socket. gonna say your shoulders dislocated like 17 times. Oh my god, more than that. Way, way more than that. Yeah. But anyways, within like 30 seconds of rolling around with the dude, and he's going so light, and he's half my size, yeah. right? He and he's got my arm, and I'm just like. Dude, I have to tap. Like yeah. my ego says, hell no. Bro. My shoulder says something completely otherwise. Bro, that's like the the way you get hurt in it is like the everyone that gets catastrophically injured. Not everyone, but. Most people that get catastrophically injured, they do it to themselves. It's an yeah. ego thing. They don't want to tap. Dude, I remember I was at this competition one time, and uh, I've only competed once. I want to compete more, but I just haven't been consistent, which, like, that's on me with, like, getting prepared for mm -hmm. it. This guy, right before I had my match, this dude did not want to tap and got his shoulder snapped. Literally sounded like a baseball bat oh, breaking. Oh. It was brutal. I'm literally sitting there, like, getting ready to go compete and this dude is on the ground like groaning in pain and just like oh jesus oh my god and i'm sitting there i'm like i'm just gonna pretend this isn't going on right now like this is ridiculous but it's it's that kind of ego there's a How dude you follow that <laughs> bro a guy got his leg literally ripped apart like acl i'm pretty sure his achilles got messed up all the way up to his hip with a brutal oh, leg lock that's... and at the end of it he was like yeah well at least i didn't tap it's like yeah bro at least he's gonna walk yeah. out of here he's... you're going home in an ambulance yeah he, like he's driving home tonight and making love to his wife you dude, are fucked for six months yeah you're not walking <laughs> for four or five months like who really won like congrats on not tapping moron yeah. but it's it's a bigger thing like like the ego thing right like that that transcends any anything that you're doing right you see it in business you see it in you know relationships you see so many um it just keeps popping up in life where people are just not willing to put that aside and just realize zoom out and look at the bigger picture dude it I think jujitsu helps so much because like one of the things Greg would always say like especially when we were like white belts is like you're not really gonna learn this until you get the ego out of the way because like if you're sitting there and the only thing you're concerned with is not getting tapped you're not going to be trying to properly execute the techniques. You're not going to be applying the stuff you're doing. You're not you're gonna going, take the right risks. You're going to spaz. Yeah. You're not gonna be you're not gonna get anywhere while you're spazzing out, and you might hurt your training partner, and now you're an asshole and a spaz. Yeah. <laughs> and now no one else that's good wants to train with you, and a lot of the way you get better is like a blue belt or a purple belt is like kind of willing to pulling you along like, hey, I know you did it this way, next time try this instead. Mm. Well, if you spaz out and headbutt them in the nose and break their nose, you think they're gonna they're, wanna help you no, out? They're, they're gonna be like, gonna... yo, fuck that guy, like he can't control himself. It's the equivalent of someone like inspiring, just taking yeah. it way too seriously and trying to knock yeah. it out. It's like, bro, what are you doing? You're like, dog, this isn't a title yeah, fight. Yeah, like, relax. No, seriously. There's no belt on the line. But Dude, it's yeah, nuts. That, that kind of, I, I want to then kind of talk a little bit about what we were talking about before is, like, the priorities then, right? Yeah. Obviously, like you mentioned, like, jujitsu, you know, is, is a very important part of your life, but sometimes there's seasons. Right yeah. now, work has, has taken more priority. I can relate. Right now, fitness, as much as, you know, this is, like, what I want to achieve with this podcast as well is being very real with, like, what's happening right now, right? Yeah. We, I can talk, everyone talks about how, like, important it is to have your fitness and your sleep and don't drink and tape your mouth and ice baths and all this body optimization, mind, yeah. life optimization stuff. The reality is, as young business owners with a million things going on, there's different priorities, yeah. right? So talk to me about, like, how you kind of evaluate right now what to focus more on how do you know what plants to water in day-to-day -day dallas's life the way that i've kind of 
I mean, it's shifted a lot. And like, honestly, jujitsu is a good timeline for it. It's like when I first got into jujitsu was I was a brand new real estate agent. When you're brand new, you don't have a ton going on. At least I didn't. So I was devoting a ton of time to it. And then as the job, as the career, whatever progresses, you have more time commitments with it. It's like the way I see it is I'm 26 years old. I would rather dump all of, I mean, I'm not going to be a professional jiu-jitsu athlete. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go win ADCC. I'm not going to be Gordon Ryan. I know all of that. So if I've got an opportunity to bust my ass and set myself up financially, I can do that at 26. I'm not going to go be a world champion in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I'm not going to go be Mr. Olympia. Like I got all of that. So I'm fine, at least in this part of life. I want to make sure anything that I can do to nurture the business that I have and like now as I start to branch out and like buy a couple of properties, make sure that those go well. It's like the way I see it, if I can do this really, really well over the next three, four, five years, by the time I'm 30, I will have my financial future set. Whereas a lot of people, you don't have that. And that's okay, you can prioritize other things. But for me, that's the way that I wanna do it. I would much rather be 30, have the financial future set up, I don't have to worry about that. And now, cool, I'm 32, if I, like, if I wanna have a family, if I wanna travel, like, whatever I wanna do, like now I've got all of the options in the world because the financial stuff is checked. As opposed yeah. to devoting all of it to something that I'm not gonna be a professional at. It's not gonna make money. And then I'm 30 years old and it's like, oh cool, you're a brown belt at 30, but you're not, really super into competing like it's and you kind of just like dilly-dallied around fucked around whatever and you don't really have a hell of a lot to show for it so it sounds to me like what matters a lot more is you know, having the self-awareness to know like what the, the the things that i'm occupying my time with in a day which one of those can really benefit me the most for what I'm trying to go after right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think Jamie and I can both relate. Like, right now, I think that we're, we're indexing a lot more effort on growing the business than yeah. anything. I, I think like, we can safely say that nothing else is more of a priority right now yeah. than that, right? But then there are seasons where it's like, hey, look, like, I want to train for this thing, you know, this marathon yeah. or this competition, like whatever it is, right? Like, I, okay, I'm gonna dial in my nutrition, my sleep, you know? I, for me, you know, I, I like to drink a lot. Sometimes I will take a month, two months, and be like, I gotta, I gotta, you know. To pump the brakes yeah. for a second. Hey, you know I mean, I mean? That's, that's a season. That's balance. Yeah, that's my version of balance. I relate, dude, I relate to that so much. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm not like a go out, have like a singular drink and like that's like, that. It's I, I like, will never be that. It's like I would much rather go be kind of like locked in, not really going out, doing too much. And then it's like, all right, you want to go take a week or two and you want to go have fun? Yeah, go have fun. Get that, you know. Handle that, that and then get back on the horse and, and keep it moving that way. Exactly. And the big takeaway there is just constant self-awareness and evaluation. Mm -hmm. Always like almost like I know we don't do it in, or I can't speak for you, but for me at least, like I don't have a formal like a journal or something where I like, like check in and rate myself on things or whatever. But like you know, you know when you're being a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Like you you can look at the mirror and you're like, yeah, I <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I, I, no, I mean, and that's okay, like, just acknowledge it. I mean, it's like, the, where people get all fucked up is when they sit there and they want to play this, like, denial game, mm. and they pretend like it's not that. It's like, no, 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 well, like, actually what I'm doing, no, you're yeah. out, you're having a good time, that's okay, Yeah. but also, if you keep going out having a good time, and that's no, twice yeah. a week, every week, for a few months... We got a problem. There's like, a compound we need to, effect of that. We need to course correct here. But you can go out and do it. Just be aware of, like, be, I don't know, be mindful of the shit that you're doing. Like, it's not, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's that crazy to do. Yeah, no, to me, that's that's the version of balance. That's the, you know, look yourself in the mirror. You know the ultimate truth. Dallas, the podcast has been amazing so far. I've, I've loved this. This has been amazing. I want to I wanna wrap it up, though, with kind of one final topic that I want to discuss with you um, before we have you again. You know, we're going to do this a lot. This is going to be first of many, right? But, um, you know, when we first uh, met in person um, that time at, at VCon, you were kind of opening up to me and telling me how, how significant uh, a role your father has had on, on your on your entrepreneurial your business yeah. journey, talk to me about that a little bit. I want to hear it. I, I want to hear why. What what impact has he had on you, and why? Yeah, she's. 
he's probably the hardest working guy that I've ever met in any field. He was, my dad's old for my age, he's 77, he had polio. Mm -hmm. Two of the three people I think that had polio in the town he lived in died. But he lived and his dad was like, my kid's not only gonna walk, he's gonna play football because in South Georgia, that's a religion. And so, I mean, I don't know, I've like psychoanalyzed him at least to myself a little bit. So it's like, I think that's probably a big role for him. And so I've gotten to see kind of the last 20 years of his business career and just get to see like what that looks like and how hard he's willing to work. Like I have this one distinct memory. I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade and I didn't know this at the time, but he was under a lot of stress. And so I was like up playing video games until like three o'clock in the morning as seventh graders on Modern Warfare 2 do. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, I'm gonna go to bed. And the way that the house was laid out, in order for me to get to where my room was, I had to walk past this like walkway where their room was. So I walked past him and he was leaving the house on a Saturday at like three o'clock in the morning to go out and go work. And he like on his second kind of side gig, we'll call it, uh, because this is like, this was all kind of in the aftermath of 08 and that kind of stuff. So it's like there was a lot of repercussions. He was in the banking industry. There was a lot of repercussions that kind of carried forward. It wasn't like 08 happened and then everything went back to normal. It was like, yeah. at least for the situation he was in. So I got to see like how hard he was working. And I was like, holy shit, he is going out to work at 3.30, probably 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And like, I remember he didn't exactly look happy to be doing it, but I was like, okay. Like, and I didn't know I was a kid, so I wasn't exactly privy to like what all was going on, but it wasn't a good time to be in banking. So, you know, um, and I don't know, that's something that's always stuck with me. And then too, it's like, as he's kind of been involved in some other different stuff, it's like, I've been so fucking fortunate that I have someone that I don't have to question if they have my best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And not only in like a parental standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, because he's someone that, I mean, he's got 50 something years of experience across all of these different areas. He's been involved in real estate a little bit. So, I mean, that certainly helps, but just in terms of like the business side of it, how to handle people, hiring people, training people, like all of these things that otherwise I would have had to fuck up. And I've fucked up in other areas. Like he jokes all the time. He's like, yeah, you got to go make your own mistakes. You don't get to make the mistakes that I made. Mm. And so it's like, I get to like bounce ideas off of him, get his opinion on stuff. It's valuable. And it's someone that I look up to a lot uh, from their own success and their own work ethic. And I, don't, I think that's invaluable, especially in a day and age when like everyone's trying to sell you some $6,000 course and why they need to be your mentor. And it's like, I don't know, I got lucky. I don't have to go out and like pay for a fucking mentor. Like I got one that I don't have to question. He's not just there for my money. Like he's there out of his own like desire to help me as his kid. And yeah, I don't know, just the combination of seeing the work, the, the I don't, I talk to him probably once every day, every other day, like, <laughs> like at least, mm -hmm. just like going back and forth about different situations. And it's like, I, I don't know, I can't say enough how fortunate I've been in that regard. That's beautiful, man. So, I, I, I'm glad, I'm really, really glad that you're able to share that because, you know, not everybody gets to have, you know, a father figure like that. Um, you're obviously very fortunate in that regard. And, but you're not taking it for granted. You know what yeah. I mean? You're you're not taking advantage of it, is what I'm saying. It's like you're 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 using you're using it and you're, you're valuing the relationship enough where it helps you and you guys can bounce off each other. And I'm sure he gets so. It's probably such a proud feeling to see your son, um, you know, crushing it. Like you're, you're doing really well. How old are you? 26. 26. Too kind. And you're you're out here crushing it, man. Like I'm I'm really proud of you, bro. Thank I'm you. proud to call you a brother. I'm proud to call you a friend, um, a client, so many other things. But I want to finish the podcast on this one question, man. What's next for Dallas? Buy up a bunch of investment property. Quit being a fucking real estate agent. Let's fucking go. I don't man. know. Move to Miami or something. Make Jamie happy. We need that. We need that. Brother. <laughs> Not just right. Jamie, man. I'll fucking. I'd, I'd love that too. It'd be great, man. But I love you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is great. First of many. We're we're gonna make some money, man. We're Thank gonna, you, brother. We're, we're gonna have some fun. It's fun. Love you, Doug. Boom.